G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. We're going to be chatting with Ron Matson. Now, if you've been a long-time listener of Vision, you'll be familiar with the Bible teaching of Chuck Missler. Chuck was 83 years old when he died last year on the 1st of May in New Zealand. Chuck was known around the world for his verse-by-verse Bible teaching and his insights into the prophetic fulfillments that brings Scripture to life. Since Chuck's passing, the organization he founded called Kononia House lives on. Kononia Institute is an online Bible institute with a focus on verse-by-verse study, where serious Christians can grow in knowledge, understanding, awareness, and commitment. The ministry is led by Ron Matson, who, like Chuck before him, is renowned as a verse-by-verse Bible teacher. He's hosted his own television ministry, and teaches extensively on evangelism, leadership, and end times topics. It's wonderful to welcome Ron Matson onto the radio today. How are you, Ron? Very good, thank you. It's great to be on the program. It's great to finally chat with you today. I've heard you preaching, and I've seen you on DVDs for many years. It's uh, wonderful to uh, catch up with you today. For those who don't know, tell us a bit about how you got involved in K-House. Well, um, Chuck and I, uh, Chuck Mester and I did back... Uh, as both being under the influence of Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa uh, in the mid-1970s. Uh, and I was on staff there at that point. He was, of course, uh, working his way through the corporate world in the 70s and 80s. Uh, but I used to go um, as a youngster. I always like to tease him about that. Youngster to his uh, midweek Bible study. Uh, and that's when I first became really connected with him as a teacher It was in the 1990s, early 90s, that uh, my wife and I were living in England, uh, and um, Chuck Missler was was passing through and needed some people to connect with him there. So we linked up with him in 1992, uh, and then that just started a a relationship between the two of us. We both came from uh, technology backgrounds. I was working as a program manager uh, with the uh, IBM and Lockheed Martin uh, later Lockheed Martin Corporation Aerospace Company for the Ministry of Defense. Uh, so we were similar in that we were both Bible teachers and both uh, bivocational in that sense and a technology background. But uh, we just both had a great love for the Word. And so over the years, by the end of uh, the 1990s, I was, the, I was put as a member of his, of his uh, board of directors. Uh, and then that, we just went from strength to strength in terms of forging a, a friendship. Then when the decision was made in 2009... He was in love with uh, New Zealand, Australia, and uh, felt the Lord was calling him to move. He had Nancy to move to New Zealand. Um, uh, we were living, my wife and I were living in England at that time, and he uh, and Nancy really uh, felt that it would be appropriate for us to come down here with them. We resisted. Uh, we didn't really know what we were going to miss if we didn't come, but uh, nonetheless, we... Um, we listened to the voice of the Lord. We came down. We partnered with them with our with our sole purpose at that time to just help Chuck and Nancy finish well. We we felt that they had given so much throughout the life of their ministry. Uh, we just wanted to come alongside them in whatever Lord, years the Lord had for them and help them to finish well. And so it was during that time, of course, 
that uh, Nancy passed in 2015, uh, and then uh, Chuck carried on for another uh, uh, three years or so. Um, but the transitioning of the ministry um, in, in terms of its administration, both here and in North America, um, took place uh, really um, from about 2015 onwards. I became the, the CEO and, and president of the ministry, but my main function was really just to to stand in support of, of Chuck and help him finish well. So, of course, as you've already mentioned, uh, May 1st of last year, the Lord, uh, uh, he entered into his, his reward to hear, well done, a good and faithful servant. And then going forward now, it's really for us to uh, uh, just uh, continue to uh, reach out to people and, um, uh, and, and utilize the material to encourage the body of Christ to take the Bible seriously. Well, you know, I've really learnt so much from uh, listening to uh, Chuck Missler's teaching and your teaching and others from K-House over the years. Uh, often, whenever I have a night meeting at my church, I'll try and finish it right at 9 o'clock when I'm driving home so I can listen to a Chuck sermon on the way home. <laughs> and I, I, I love the Bible teaching verse by verse. Now, a lot of preachers these days lean towards topical preaching and uh, like to preach on a theme and, you know cherry-pick their favorite verses to fit that theme. Uh, but unpacking the Scriptures verse by verse is a great way of teaching uh, the Word of God. Tell us how important it is that us preachers uh, can, you know, teach uh, verse by verse, and, and how much is it impacting the world these days? Well, sadly, uh, the, my initial response is that sadly the, the mainstream or the the direction in most evangelical churches today, of course, is to follow what they believe is success, and success is measured in numbers. Uh, this is not to in any way, shape, or form to, um, to uh, say that in a critical manner, but that is uh, the, the way it seems to be going, and when you look at that, it is topic-based. Uh, the the uh, various Bible teachers and ministers and speakers are looking for topics, that um, are relevant uh, to the the group, uh, the society, the age um, uh, categories that they're trying to tar- target, and there there is an effectiveness to that in one sense. But from our point of view, um, the the idea of expositional teaching is is uh, it even goes beyond the sense of teaching verse by verse because that can simply be a a read and ramble type teaching. It's it's not just teaching. The text within the context is what you get from that. Uh, you also begin to see the integration of Scripture. The more that you go, not just a chapter in its context or a book within its context, but then books in context with other books, you begin to, you, you get the balance of Scripture. Um, you, you move away from uh, what have some referred to as hobby horse type teaching, where you know if a church is going to do a building program, it's good to, to teach some. Uh, uh, some topicals out of perhaps uh, Nehemiah, you know, rebuilding the walls, and very motivational, and, and, and it can be very useful in that sense. Um, but it, that can be imbalanced if you don't also put it in the context uh, of, of the rest of Scripture. Um, and, and the tendency with topics is to um, skim the top of Scripture, choosing the things that are interesting to the people, sort of like uh, and again, I have to be careful here because I don't want this to sound condescending, but it, it, it's like a parent who says to the child, honey, what do you want to eat for dinner tonight? Um, you don't really expect them 
to say, well, what I really like is a balanced diet of vegetables and, you know, and this and that. Uh, they're they're going to pick the things that uh, are are attractive to them. Where in expositional teaching, you get a balance from the whole of Scripture and context, which is incredibly important because it gives you the weight uh, by virtue of, of repeated mention and integration elsewhere in Scripture, um, either by doctrine or by by um, example. Uh, of of sort of where the heart of the Lord is, and so mm-hmm. uh, teaching verse by verse is is a, is a summary way to describe the idea of doing what Paul said he did before the originality. He says, "Did not neglect to declare to you the whole counsel of God," and um, you know that was just during a three year uh, period uh, where he was there with the Ephesian church. So uh, whatever existed at that time uh, for Paul, he made sure that they had all there was. Uh, and allow the Holy Spirit one to um, to apply that individually to the people's lives. Uh, tell us a little bit about the future outlook for Bible prophecy in the world right now. Well, it's interesting. Prophecy, of course, is one of those uh, subjects that you either it's like Marmite or Vegemite. You either love it or hate it. <laughs> uh, you're either you pick it up and it just absolutely adds the flavor that you're looking for, or it frightens you to death. And, and it's, it, the very sense of prophecy is polarizing in that sense. But let's address the people who aren't afraid uh, for what they might discover when they get into Bible prophecy. Um, there's, there's lots of good teaching going on. Uh, there's, there's lots of stuff that's out there, lots to choose from. But I think one thing, just by way of caution, when you're dealing with uh, choosing um, uh, material that's about prophecy, you need to... Pause for a moment and remember, it is prophetic. Therefore, it means um, they're talking about things that are, to some regards or another, it is veiled. Um, when you take a look at the ministry of Jesus Christ, um, he had a, a better than three-year period of time where he had these disciples, 70. Uh, we know of the 12, but certainly there were 70 from the beginning. Um, and they listened to him. Uh, no doubt he addressed the 300 more, more than 300 prophecies from the scriptures that were being fulfilled in him. And even with the, them sitting under his teaching, opening the word to them with regards to prophetic issues associated with his first coming, they still missed it. They still missed it because they were interpreting even what he said and did at that time through the lens of their own expectations. And so, of course, you have the, the classic that disciples are on their way the final time to Jerusalem, and uh, the, the, the two sons of thunder are, are having a discussion among themselves when you come to the kingdom, who's going to sit on your right hand, who's going to sit on your left. And uh, so they had, one, one could argue that in before the crucifixion, the disciples um, uh, all believed in kingdom now theology. <laughs> so... Um, they, they got it wrong, and it, was, it wasn't until after the resurrection that they then had to recalibrate what they were saying and thinking. Ron, are you there? Oh, I think we've lost him. <laughs> Either that or he's been raptured and we all missed out. <laughs> Hello, I'm back. Oh, you're, right. you're there, Sorry Ron. Sorry, that. we lost you. I thought we're... you'd been raptured. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it, it would happen in New Zealand first. <laughs> so We know that. We know that. You know, you've got three hours to wait if it was the rapture. <laughs> so I'm not sure where where I where you dropped out here, but but I'm just trying to lay the sense that because we're dealing with something that is prophetic, the very nature of it it is veiled, 
and we take a comparison to that to the disciples of Jesus in their three years of following him, um, he must have addressed the 300-plus prophecies concerning his first coming, and they still didn't get it. They, they still had it wrong by the time that, that um, the crucifixion takes place. They didn't see that coming. So the best teacher with the best students, they still didn't have it right. So one of the cautions I would give to people who are venturing into the area of either um, studying or listening to people that have done works in prophecy, that they need to understand that until it's fulfilled, it's still all speculative. Uh, and, I, and I think you see very, very few prophecy teachers um, give that sense of a sense of uncertainty. This is what we believe, but we may be wrong. And I, I think that's important to do that. We can hold views. Uh, we can have understanding. But I certainly, as a Bible teacher over the past 40 years, have seen many eschatological understandings shifted and changed by some pretty world-renowned teachers uh, as time goes on. Some have not been able to modify their views, and they've just sort of turned into the, uh, you know, into the skeletons of dinosaur, you know, doctrinal dinosaurs. Uh, and others have, have been able to say, yep, I guess I got that wrong. Well, let's move on. So mm. the very nature of prophecy is one of those, I think, that you just need to uh, literally uh, understand that um, it is speculative to a degree, and that it primarily is there to glorify God, not give us some kind of insider's view so that we can know where we should dig our our uh, our bunker or hide our money or or you know to which part of the earth we should flee to avoid some you know coming uh, tsunami that's coming. So uh, it, it, I, would, I would approach all of that with a great deal of of excitement on one hand, but also uh, being very careful uh, not to uh, isolate myself on one view versus another because they are speculative and they are about something which has not been yet revealed. Well, I love the fact that you guys have uh, released a lot of teaching on uh, biblical prophecy, and uh, I was inspired by a, a lot of your uh, your teaching and ended up preaching a whole series on the book of Revelation. Uh, we did a chapter a week uh, over uh, uh, over the, the, the 22 chapters, and it was a wonderful time. Uh, and But I tell you what, I've never had to study and research so much in all my life. Uh, and I did... I did steal a little bit from you guys just quietly. I used a little bit of, but I quoted you. Well, I hope yeah. so because that, we, yeah. that's all we do. We, yeah. Look at, look at. <laughs> here's a here's a simple thing to every teacher. If it's new, it's probably not true. <laughs> that's true. And if it's true, it's not new. So we're just simply, hopefully, um, repeating and rephrasing the same old truth. Yeah. So you're in good company if you're, if you're plagiarizing <laughs> from the best. Then you're you're in good company. We all do it. Well, we are chatting with Ron Matson from Colonia House, uh, who's been working with Dr. Chuck Missler for many years. If you've got a question about biblical prophecy or end times and you'd like to uh, uh, ask Ron a question, give us a call now. Phone lines are open on 1-800-316-316. And, uh, Ron, when it comes to the rapture, uh, there are several different views. Uh, what has been uh, your main view on, on the rapture? Well, the, the first view is the, the view is the rapture is real. Um, that's the, the first um, uh, sort of hurdle that people need to get over, this idea of, of an, an, in, an instantaneous uh, removal of an individual or a group of individuals from the earth uh, in a way where they're here and then they're not. Um, Chuck used to like to refer to it as one of the most preposterous doctrines in the Bible. 
And he was, he was saying that in the sense that um, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But yet, it certainly can be supported quite substantially from Scripture. Those that are, don't believe in it, um, uh, you know, will say, well, the, the word rapture is not of the Scripture. That is true. Uh, that's a that's a an English derivation of a Latin word. The the Greek word is "pazzo," means to be snatched away. Check it out, and where it's used in Scripture, um, especially with the removal of a human to uh, another realm, it's their "harpazoed away." So, the the first is to first appreciate the fact that the doctrine of the rapture certainly is is not without support and substance from Scripture. The second is the big question is when because it's a future event. And there are three popular views, but I would have to say that there's probably another three minor views uh, and more. Um, we'll start with the minors first. There's the partial rapture that, that comes from the idea of the ten virgins. Uh, ten are taken, or five are taken, ten are left behind, but they're all virgins. That's called the, the partial rapture. There's the reverse rapture, which says that it's all the unrighteous that are raptured from the earth and not the righteous. Um, and there's progressive rapture, that there's a bunch of little tiny raptures, a bunch of little um, Elijah kind of experiences of people uh, as and when. And, and you can, there, there's no end of those type of, um, of ideas. The three primary ones, of course, uh, is post-trib, a post-tribulation period. Um, we, we use this term tribulation uh, erroneously in most cases. What we're really talking about is the 70th week of Daniel, or also referred to in Scripture as the time of Jacob's troubles. It's a time where the focus of biblical prophecy focuses not on the church, but on the nation of Israel. And so they, that becomes ground zero for all the measurements in, during this period. But there's those that would say that it takes place at the end of that 70th week of Daniel. There's the second coming, and the rapture all take place at the same time. Uh, there are good scholars uh, and plenty of scriptures that would certainly support that view. There is then what is called, referred to as the pre-tribulation rapture, a bit of a misnomer because Jesus said that tribulation literally was the last three and a half years of the 70th week of Daniel. But nonetheless, um, they would refer to that as being uh, pre that 70th week. Um, and some ascribe that to a fellow by the name of Darby uh, as the first to come up with that. Um, there's lots of reasons to show that that's not true. And there's plenty of scriptures that um, that would indicate this idea of what's called the doctrine of imminence. Um, there isn't a chapter in some uh, epistle someplace called, now I'm going to explain the doctrine of imminence. It's something that is derived from um, the whole of text and things. So that's the, And then there's mid-trib or pre-wrath uh, that is taught that, um, that it takes place on or about the abomination of desolation, as spoken of by Daniel the prophet. So those are the three primary views that that um, uh, that that authors, writers, scholars, teachers, pastors, um, home Bible study experts, everybody wants to try to you know polarize themselves around one of those uh, three uh, three standards. Mm. And of course, the difficulty you have with that is in holding any one of those positions without acknowledging the truth in any other position is to essentially um, mute scripture, which would call into question your particular belief. And so that's why it's controversial, is because you can defend to one degree or another uh, certainly the three major views, and certainly uh, cause some question with regards to the other views. 
as far as chaos is concerned, most of Chuck's material, he would favor the pre-trib, uh, the pre-Daniel 70 weeks rapture. Uh, that's uh, more classic from the background he has. I would take the same view, but I would not say that um, I would fall out of fellowship with someone who took a different view. Yeah, that's important. In the end, yeah, it will all be will all be explained on the way up. That's that's wonderful. I love I love that explanation. Hey, we've got Shelby joining us from Queensland. Shelby, have you got a question for Ron? Uh, yes, uh, uh, yes, yeah, um, Matt, uh, Ron. I uh, the question I have is I believe that there is. Um, uh, eternity, uh, forever, and uh, hell is uh, total death. And yet I have people controversial saying, oh, no, you live forever in, that, in, in hell. Um, what's uh, what's the, uh, uh, the true version of this in your mind? Okay, okay. I think if the question you're asking me is, is the, the eternal state of man. Uh, and uh, the, the, the simple answer is, of course, you're either living in the presence of God, which we call heaven, or you're living in an existence which is outside the presence of God in a place of eternal torment. And this is a troubling doctrine when you actually sit down and think about it and, and, uh, and, and realize the gravity of it. Um, it is overwhelming. Uh, but I think the Scripture pretty well bears out the fact that um, prior to the cross of Christ, Jesus in his teaching of Lazarus, and the rich man speaks of a place referred to uh, nominally as Abraham's bosom, where there's this chasm between these two places. One's a place of comfort, one's a place of torment, and there's, a, there's a, uh, an, an impassable gap between the two of them. And that it's believed that Christ in his resurrection led the captives who were in Abraham's bosom uh, into the presence of God. The New Testament tells us to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. Uh, and so there is this eternal reward aspect uh, of Christianity uh, and, and the promise. This, that, that's what we're really focused on here. The, the sense of the, the, the residence of those who are in rebellion or who have not um, uh, uh, come to God through Jesus Christ, as is prescribed in the Bible, uh, sadly, um, the, the, the Bible uh, gives us a prescription which is tough, tough for us to swallow. I mean, the idea of, of, of eternal punishment, hell, whatever that is, um, there's a whole... Chuck did quite a, a briefing on it called Heaven and Hell. He goes into quite a bit of detail. You can get that from the Vision Store if you want to get into more detail. But in general, I can say... All I can say is the Bible says it's there, and... and uh, and so that's so I just agree with it because that's what the Bible says at this point. Thank you, Ron. Shelby, does that answer hey, your question, you. mate? Thank you. Thank Thanks, you Shelby. God bless. Thank you, Shelby. And uh, we've got uh, Jonathan on the line with a question from Perth, WA. Jonathan, what's your question, mate? Yeah, my question is: uh, if some believe in post-rapture or uh, pre-rapture, what is the difference between two of them? Some say that Jesus will come after the tribulation. Sometimes Jesus will go, the church will go in heaven before the tribulation. What is his view about these two things? Well, the, it's interesting, the, the, the sense of dividing the rapture up, like I said before in, in my comments prior to the break, um, there are views that, that don't put the rapture in one. They put it in many events, and if that's what you're speaking about, uh, this, that would fall into that. doesn't necessarily mean that I agree with it, uh, but because it's a future event, uh, we'll just have to wait and see. I, 
um, when when the disciples, uh, at, when Jesus is ascending up into heaven, and as they're looking up to this disappearing uh, Christ going up into the clouds, they're met by two angels that say to them that in, in that that the one you're looking for will come in like manner. He'll come in the clouds for you. And so that's one of the early references to uh, the second coming of Christ in the clouds for the church. Now, whether he comes at one is which would be the view that I would take, uh, or uh, that there would be some way to read that as coming uh, at, at different times. Um, I don't really have to address that. I'm, I've not studied that to give you a fair enough answer. But I, I do know this, brother, that uh, we're to work while it's yet light, for the night comes when no man can work, and therefore we need to be about our master's business, preaching the gospel in all the world. So thank you for your question, brother. It's great. great Amen. That is wonderful. And we've got one more quick question before we go to focus on the family, Ron. Uh, okay. Someone's called through and asked, what's the meaning of the dead in Christ will rise first? What's your thoughts on that? Well, that's the, that's the teaching of Paul to the Thessalonican church, because they were concerned that um, as a church, even though they had two, only two weeks of his teaching, they didn't get the whole series, apparently, uh, that somehow they were already in the tribulation period. And so um, Paul encouraged them that with regards to uh, the, the snatching away of those, there is the promise of the resurrection, the physical resurrection. How that's constituted, again, is a matter of, of, of understanding and science. Uh, in theology, but the idea of the graves being opened in the like manner in which Christ was taken up into heaven, his physical body was not there, so too those that are in the grave, in whatever form they are, they will not be there. Uh, and then, and then uh, at that same moment, in the sense that it's all done in the twinkling of the eye, which is the smallest uh, segment of time, then uh, the rapture itself takes place. So uh, it's, it's a way of saying by preference those who've gone before us will arrive before us, uh, but it's we're talking about a twinkling of an eye, which is um, a, a fraction of a second. So um, immaterial. We'll all arrive at that place where we glorify our Savior who sits upon the throne. Well, it is exciting to talk about the return of the Lord Jesus and us being caught up with him. It's uh, an exciting time. And uh, if people want to find out more of uh, Cornonia House, Ron Matson, Chuck Missler, you can find out at visionstore.org.au. Check out all their amazing teaching on the end times, biblical prophecy, uh, expositional teaching of the Bible. Absolutely brilliant stuff. Ron, it's been great to uh, have you as our guest today. Uh, we pray for the Lord's richest blessing on you. And uh, I understand you've got a massive project in Israel you're doing soon. Do you want me to come over with you and help you carry your bags or something? Uh, That would be be great. Yes, we're (laughs) excited about We're filming a documentary. should come out uh, either late this year or early next year on the temple. Where is the location of the the Solomon's Temple? Wow. The research that we're doing. So some exciting stuff. We'll keep you informed. We'll let you get a sneak preview through to let your listeners know what's going on. Thanks for your time, Ron Matson. God bless. God bless you. Bye-bye. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.